Hey there friends, Angus here from Adio Media. Before we begin the show, I wanted to take this opportunity first of all to check in and say, how are you? How are things in your part of the world? At the moment, at the time of me recording this here in Melbourne, Australia, we're still able to go into practice and serve our patients, but that's pretty much a daily prospect. I know that things are changing around the world. I know that many of you at the moment feel a little bit like you're on a roller coaster with uh, no ending. This level of uncertainty is certainly one of the things that I'm finding most difficult to deal with. Here's what I do know. I know that this too will pass, that it's a temporary process. I'm seeing this time at the moment as a winter and after every winter comes a spring and then eventually a summer. So at the moment, here's what I don't want you focusing on. This is not a time for us to be focusing on building a practice. Clearly, many of you aren't even in practice and most of your practices like mine are taking a downturn, okay? So that's okay, first of all. During winter, it is a time of planning, of rest, of recuperation. And winter is also a really beautiful time for us to be building massive amounts of goodwill for our existing patients and out into our community. That's exactly what we're doing at my chiropractic practices, exactly what I'm doing inside of Adio Media with creating more content for you guys. Now, I wanna help you build that goodwill. I've put together a free membership site for you. I'm calling it Foundations. Inside of there, we go over the foundations of really good communication, business strategies, marketing, and putting together some videos so you can start to build that goodwill. Now, many of us have some extra uh, time on our hands, so rather than spending all our time inside of Netflix, let's upskill a little bit. Now, you can join the membership site at adiomedia.com forward slash foundations. Um, it's completely free. It will be forever. There's no upsells. There's nothing inside of that. I just want to help you reach out to your community so we can bring ourselves all back together again. So adiomedia.com forward slash foundations. There's over $700 worth of courses, which I'm just giving you so you can get access right now. Now, as always, gang, thanks for all that you do. Please keep saving lives. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll let you jump back into it now. See you soon. Bye. I am... Um, uh, I I want to thank you guys both for um, you know, sharing so openly. A, a significant part, I feel, of this whole podcast is me being incredibly selfish to sit down and um, I, I was, it was very clear who I wanted to have these conversations with and, um, you know, and when I couldn't get those guys, it was nice to have <laughs> both stepping for them. Yes. So, um, oh, yes. Scully, you was busy, hey? Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. If this seems like deja vu to you, it is for me and my two guests as well, because we got what I figured was 10 minutes into a fabulous conversation until I realized I hadn't pressed the record button. So we're back for more. We have a first. First, now this joke, I'll see if it hits with the same kind of gravity that it did beforehand. This is my first marketing your practice threesome. Welcome to the podcast, Tony Croak and Martin Harvey. How are you guys? Good, mate. That joke never gets old. <laughs> Uh, excellent. I've, I was still chuckling on the inside. Even, I could see even when you were waiting, like, how's he going to do it now? How's he going to introduce it? The anticipation was palpable. So uh, one of my mantras at the moment is always this or something better. So clearly uh, we've got uh, something better coming. So 
at the moment, I'm sure your practice like ours here is going through a state of uncertainty, of unknown. So at the time I'm recording this now, gang, it's now Friday afternoon, 3.13pm here in Melbourne, Australia on the 27th. So Tony, I'm going to jump over to you again mm. um, in a moment. And if you can just update our listeners in terms of what's going on for us at the moment, this will be released on the Monday. Sure. My intent and purpose of this really, uh, many of us in our journeys to self-isolate um, are having conversations inside of our head. We feel like our practice is down as everybody else is down. I'm feeling stressed and anxious and overwhelmed. I wonder if anybody else is as well. And one of the things I'm realised, I'm having lots of conversations with lots of practitioners and we're all feeling the same. And so I want to get it all out, expose all the things that we're feeling. What are we doing? How can we move forwards? And a little sense of community too. So, Tom, can you kick things off? Let's have an overview of what, what the climate looks like for us at the moment, coronavirus-wise. Sure. So um, we're probably a little bit earlier in the curve than some of the US and Europe. Um, so uh, as of last weekend, uh, last Monday or Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday just gone, um, non-essential businesses have been asked to close. Um, and um, people are being asked to maintain a, a distance of at least 1.5 metres from people around them, no more than one person per four square metres. Um, so it's, it's been a real dent in people's life experience, to put it mildly. Um, I've had a lot of conversations, like I'm sure you have, with people who don't know where the next paycheck is coming from all of a sudden. Um, uh, there are people who are calling our practice and where in the past they might have said, you know, I've got a bit of a sniff, but probably good to get checked. Now they're saying, I've got a bit of a sniff, so I'm going to stay home. Um, people who have recently travelled overseas or been exposed to people who have who are self-isolating. So all in all, I'd say we are about 15 or so percent, maybe 20 percent quieter than a normal week. Um, with some kind of variation yesterday was quite busy but um the day before was quite not so it's it's kind of hard to get a handle on as yet um but i have no doubt that if uh, well as this continues that that's going to have you know some some consequences in terms of the volume of people we see um and yeah it is it's um i, I said to my wife uh a couple of days ago normally it feels like we just kind of um, kind of cruise, cruise through. I mean, days aren't all, you know, love and light. There's, there's stuff that we've got to work our way through, but it normally feels kind of smooth. And I've been doing it for a long time. And so our systems run pretty well and everything goes pretty like it should. But I feel like I've just been in, uh, in low four-wheel drive the whole week. It's just been that kind of slogging through, through a mud bath sort of feel. But... Mm. Uh, in a way, kind of an honour to be there too. So it's an interesting time. It's an interesting kind of um, uh, paradox of stuff that's going on. You know, Martin, you said something to me yesterday when you were in my practice for an adjustment. You were talking about, you know, at, at the uncertainty that's going on there too, but also the number of patients and the level of appreciation perhaps winding up. You want to yeah. talk a little bit about that and, you know, perhaps give us an overview of what you're experiencing your practice too at the moment? Yeah, so we've had a really interesting experience in that, you know, we're certainly quieter. We've got a bunch of people who are saying, I need to self-isolate self because they're either high risk themselves or they're, they're in regular contact with people who perceive 
themselves to be high risk. And then some of the other things that Tony's talking about, people who have something that they normally see as an indication for them to come in, like a little bit of a scratchy throat or a sniffly nose who are saying, yeah, I can't come in. Um, and then overlaid on that, we've got a lot of people who are like, oh, look, I haven't had an adjustment for six weeks or two months, but I can't, if it goes into lockdown, I definitely don't want to not have had an adjustment. Mm. And then as I think it's become more uh, sort of further into that process of people adapting to the new normal, I had a really interesting afternoon in practice yesterday where I, I saw less people than I might normally see, but not by a huge margin, but I had a disproportionate number of them massively grateful that we were open and we were there. So to me, there's, I think we were talking about, you know, there's almost a philosophical dilemma there where we're trying to reduce non-essential contact with people and admittedly the time frame that we're with people probably reduces viral load and a whole bunch of things like that. But then on the other hand, people have never been more stressed and with fewer abilities to reduce that stress and a lot of them are finding coming in for an adjustment and the, the whole sort of broader uh, biopsychosocial interaction that we're able to provide people that wraps around the power of an adjustment, that that's something that's even more valuable for them. So I had so many people saying, yeah, I'm so glad you're here. And I had people who are you know, choosing normally to come in once a week going, Ah, oh, look! Can I come in every day? This has just been the <laughs> highlight of my day. And, uh, you know, there's that sort of dichotomy of, yeah, we need to reduce contact, and in the same way, there's a real value to contact. And uh, yeah, so I guess I'm wrestling with that. Um, but had a great afternoon where just that simplicity of going in and taking care of people and them being super grateful, I was able to celebrate that, even though cognitively I've also got another part of my brain going. Well, at what point does the the point goes, well, yeah, even we need to, to to not see people. And there's a bunch of people where I've had that awkward thing of being in touch with them and saying, yeah, you're 78, you've got you're obese, got high blood pressure, and you've had previous uh, open heart surgery. I'm sorry, I really don't think you should come in for your appointment. I think you're better off. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever say this. You're better off subluxated at the minute. Mm. Philosophically, because you both really touched on it too, and, and I, and there is a conversation certainly in and around the chiropractic profession as also, and and, and knowing as as well that you know for some of our listeners that might not be chiropractors or as aware as what we do as a chiropractic profession, it's just you know simply we the three of us would come under an umbrella that says look, you know the, the healthier and better moving your spine is the less stress there is on your nerve system. The less stress that there is on your nerve system, perhaps the better you are to cope with any stress, whether it be you, you know uh, coronavirus or anything there too. So you know I've had these real dilemmas. Um, Two, where I'm, I'm thinking perhaps the person that might be most need of an adjustment is that obese, um, mm. diabetic, or the person with the sniffles you've talked about before. And never in my 22 years of practice did I ever think I'd be making these kind of decisions as well. So, Tony, what have the conversations been going on inside your minds? How have you been justifying these types of decisions? You know, what 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 are you? What's going on? It's it's fluid for me, Angus. Um, I am I'm kind of re redeciding pretty much not even every day, every session, I kind of go, right, okay. Having sat with it and thought and 
what do I think about that now? Um, and so a week ago, I had a Thursday morning with um, uh, Daphne, who turns 100 in May. She came in with her carer, um, uh, a guy who is on his second round of chemo for myeloma and um, somebody else who's HIV positive and, um, you know, it's not a, not, not a crazy unusual morning to have that sort of thing in my practice. There's, there's a bit of that, but um, I would probably revisit that this week and make a different decision around that. Um, uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean I preclude them from coming in, but um, we, we've now set up um, a, a, a kind of valet service where people go, right, bang, you're in straight into a room, you get adjusted. Uh, we do that in the minimum amount of time we can and um, we'll do payment over the phone or whatever else. Um, uh, you know, if they're prepaid, then great. And, and that's for those people of, of, of a higher risk that you're talking yes. about in particular. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We're yeah. doing a version of that as well, Angus, where we'll have people um, book an appointment at the end or the beginning of a shift. We, mm. When they get there, we have them ring. The, all the, the, the entire table's just been disinfected before they come in. Um, there's nobody else practice. We're just you're in and you're out, and the payments over the phone, and yeah. therefore they have no contact with anything. So yeah, yeah. So I'm sure your patients, like mine, are probably more wound up. These are the the, the non high risk ones uh, with fear and stress and anxiety. Um, Martin, what kind of conversations are you having with them? Because there's a tremendous amount of information going around, all of yeah. it terrifying, yeah. a lot of it untrue. Um, yeah. Where do you see your role as and what kind of conversations are you having with your practice members? If I can kind of zoom out for a second, I think from an... So I try to base my communication on the influence literature, which essentially is the research that says, why do people do what they do and what can we do to ethically influence them to make better quality decisions. Um, and so the, one of the core ideas in the influence literature is that people make their decisions based on emotion and then they need a logical justification to, to sort of support that reason. And um, Daniel Kahneman sort of talks about it as type one and type two thinking. Um, but for, if we look at the current environment, there's a massive amount of emotion and in particular negative emotion called fear. And so if you're talking to somebody who's fearful and they have a belief system that's leading them to believe that they should be super fearful of the viruses, if we invalidate that fear by saying, yeah, look, that doesn't actually, the virus doesn't matter, you know, Glenn 20 kills it. And if you just look after yourself, if you proactively look after your body, that's the best thing you can possibly do. We at best are irrelevant to them, but we also run the risk of them um, feeling like we're trying to manipulate them to do something that they feel uncomfortable with, which then triggers confirmation bias and reactance and a whole lot of other things. Um, so the, I guess the, that's the context around which I'm looking at communication. And then the way that I'm doing the communication is I'm using a, a strategy called bridging, which is essentially a communication strategy where you agree with uh, you, you communicate across a, a couple of different perspectives where you bridge from one to the next to the next. So in the context of this, 
I did uh, the, the, the conversation in my practice. And I might actually broaden if it's okay, because if mm. we're going out to people who are in lockdown, I still think bridging is the best way of going. Mm. Um, and it's essentially agreeing, yeah, look, it is a scary time and it's completely reasonable to be doing everything that we can to reduce the chance of everybody, but in particular vulnerable people at high risk, of contracting the virus and hygiene and social distancing and all of those things are super important. And so that this is now the bridge, you're agreeing with that and you're offering another perspective to that. It's also super important that we look after our own health so that we minimise the chance that if we do happen to interact with the virus, we're in the best place possible to resist the possibility. So you go from sort of a symptomatic or a pain perspective up to more of a prevention perspective. And then it's also important to realise that nobody really wants to put their life on hold for three months, that how our body works influences everything we do from the interactions that we have in our own house, house with our own family or the taking the time that you're in lockdown to work on getting a pistol squad or uh, doing better at a crow pose. So I'm now talking the two things that I'm working on right at the moment. Um, <laughs> this call is all about me, isn't it? Um, but, yes. so then, but it, it, so I wouldn't be talking about what was important to me if I was talking to somebody else. I'd be talking about what was important to them in their interactions. So to me, it allows you to stay true to that big picture of chiropractic, that it's about a body, an optimal experience of life. But if you lead people on that honouring path of, I understand if you're at this place that you're, it's just about not coming in touch with the virus. And I'm also, there's a place for these other perspectives that might be useful for you and maybe a more empowering perspective right at the moment. So that's kind of the communication strategy. If that's something that appeals to people, I have done a free online. Hey, mate, this is not about promoting your courses, all right? It's free. So it is it's all free. about you. But while you're here, <laughs> use this code and for fuck's sake, okay? This is about me. It's my podcast. Only twenty nine ninety five a month. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you taking advantage of poor, vulnerable practitioners at the moment that don't know how to yeah. communicate with their practitioners. No, sorry, go. You've, I, I, it's stunning. Yeah. Where can they get so, out? Uh, yeah, just if they go to insideoutpractices.com or shoot me an email or a Facebook message, I'll give them a link to it. So, yeah. yeah. I'll have some links down beneath here too. I mean, I've gone on record saying before, I think Martin is one of the cleanest communicators that there is going around. And he, yeah. he has such a beautiful way of kind of articulating that whole concept. It kind of reminds me, you know, our good friend Russ Rosen used to tell this story that over in Hawaii and Maui, they have these big waterfalls and or bridges that <clears throat> numerous times a year, visitors over there would jump off said waterfalls and bridges um, and die because they wouldn't test how deep the water was down beneath there. So, um, your concept reminded me of that in that what we're doing in essence first is we're testing how deep the water is. And yeah. I have some patients that when I check in with them, like, how are you coping with this whole thing? And they go on this rant right away of, you know what, we should be looking after ourselves more. And this is not so much, you know, they perhaps might be have a, a philosophy and a worldview, a lens that's more similar to mine, in which case I can do the same thing. I can kind of pace and lead. And I just, I wouldn't have done a good job of that 10 years ago. And yeah. I'm so appreciative. You've been a real leader in terms of, you know, helping to lay that stake down um, 
in, in the ground with regards to that, um, that also. Tone, how, um, how are your staff going? What conversations are you having with them? And what are your, uh, so in a part of that too, what are your expectations should we get to shut down? Yeah, we, we had a team meeting on Monday, which will be our last for a while. Um, certainly our last face-to-face. Um, and talked through some scenarios around that. Um, and I made it very clear that there was no expectation that anyone comes to work um, at the moment. Um, and uh, they were all adamant that they wanted to be there and felt like it was, uh, one of them said it felt like their duty to do that um, to the people that, we, that we've been taking care of for so long, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, so... So that that um, that opening that open door stands for all of them. There's no uh, there's no way I'll tell them that they need to do anything mm-hmm. um, around attending. Um, what about the more achy, uncomfortable side of things that our support staff, our CAs, for instance, um, that there may be a time that they can't come into work? Have you had discussions with them around what that will mean with regards to, and sorry to whack you on the spot like this here too, do with regards to their income, their pay? What are your thoughts in around that? I actually haven't had a conversation with them about that. So, guys, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think uh, we would need to have a conversation around um, using entitlements that they have existing, yeah. what they pay, sick pay, depending on the context of what's going on. Um, uh, there are some uh, guidelines around government assistance that's coming uh, to support small businesses like ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be honest, I haven't had a look at that really much yet. I've been really mm-hmm. more focused on the clinical side of, of the challenges that we face. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, our 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 goal at the moment is to carry mm. on as normal for as long as we can, um, and we will we will um, right size our staffing levels to meet demand, so that that you know that potentially is going to have some impact on our, our team's bottom line, like it certainly will with ours. Um, mm. But I think everyone's, well, no, I think we've had a conversation, everyone's across that, that may be a necessity. Mm. We, we, so at the Port Melbourne practice where I am, all my staff are all casual. Uh, so what that means from a legal point of view is I don't really have any requirements as far as, you know, our, our staff out at the Lara practice um, are permanent part-time, yep. they have annual leave. I had an interesting experience because I was chatting to a patient about this thing and, um, he has quite a large engineering business and he was incredibly matter of fact about it. He said, why should I lose money? I'll be just sacking people. And it was quite affronting and confronting for me too. And I really sat with it for a long time. And there was a level of logic in around me that says, you know, he's the one that started the business, took all the risks, did all those kind of things there too. And he's like, you know, if anyone's going to lose money, it'll be me and my family last, which I can admire in some way. Um, those words don't come out of my lips quite as comfortably and with ease, which is probably why I don't have the same multi-million dollar engineering company that he does. <laughs> but what's your take on that, Martin? Where, where are you at with it? What were you and Nicole? Yeah. What conversations have you had in around staffing? Yeah, I was hoping that you, after asking Tony, were just going to skip me and going <laughs> on to a happier topic, to be honest, because <laughs> I, feel, I feel quite torn. Like our staff are, 
Yes. I love them. They're great. At the moment, the commitment that we've made is I'm just going to keep this going as long as we possibly can. Mm. Um, all of our staff are casual. They're all either students or um, one of them's an actor. And so they're people who have something else big in their life and our, our rostering shifts around quite a bit. So at the moment, we haven't thought beyond the I'm going to be doing as much as we can to have an, a reason for you to need to be here, whether that's hands-on or doing stuff in the, if we do have to close down, then I'm also looking at that, that that's going to be a super productive time. And if there are things mm. that I, it makes sense for me to pay somebody to do remotely, then they're going to be first in line for me to find useful work to do. Mm. It is It is certainly, of all the things that are going on at the moment, this exact issue is one that is causing perhaps the high levels of anxiety for both Lauren and myself. We're yeah. lucky in that one of our staff is Mackenzie, you know, our daughter with regards to that too, so I'll happily not pay her. So she'll given that she lives kind of rent and board free and doesn't, uh, you know, so that kind of stuff there too. But we have a number of other staff that aren't in that circumstance and we will continue to pay and or support people. We, we know, for instance, though, one of our chiropractic students who works for us, we're, we're quite surprised at the and encouraged by the steps that the government is taking here already. You know, yeah. it'll appear that when she stops with us, her I'll study, ab study, whatever it's kind of called there as well as doubled. And, you know, so she's, it would appear that she's quite well looked after you know, in that side of things. But, I, I, you know, I, I know it's a really difficult question to have asked you guys, and, and I wanted to ask it because it's something that many of us are struggling with at the moment with how mm. do we deal with, with this thing too. Martin, you mentioned that there may well be time in the future that um, uh, we are asked to stay home and not able to go into practice as well. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? What are your plans around that? You know, what, what, what are you going to do? I sort of fit. I sort of feel like I've gone from two weeks ago not knowing the the concept of flatten the curve to now having done like a two-week PhD in viral epidemiology. <laughs> so I'm sort of, in that regard, I'm sort of happy with whatever. I'm going to be guided by the government, basically, which isn't a phrase I normally would say. I'm going to say, yes. at the moment, the message that I'm getting is that my uh, clients want me there they're super grateful. Some of them now isn't the right time. Um, but the message we're getting is that the government wants allied health there to reduce the, the load on the, that more acute part of the medical system. So I want to be of service until that happens. If we do get to lockdown, I've gone through a few waves of it from sort of really, really resisting that to pretty much going into like a what's the worst that's going to happen? So in my mind, the worst that's going to happen is I'm shut for three months and then it's three, three months before we kind of get momentum back. And I look at that and I go, can I deal with that? Is Yeah, I, I look at that and I can deal with that. I've got a huge list of things that I've, projects that I've wanted to work on that I haven't had a chance to. So I'm sort of looking at it from a pretty much a three R's um, strategy that, I'm looking at our practice doing the first one is kind of renew. There's a whole lot of things that I thought we should change in the way that we do things and projects that I've got that I'm just going to work through them. There's the relationships part of it, which I really think I've, the, from a communication perspective, I've been talking for years that 
people buy you before they buy your product or service and that there's a, a tendency for people to sort of look past that for what's the snappy script or the zippy Facebook ad or these very transactional ways of trying to build a practice. And I think that the people who have invested in um, communication strategies and just being a, I think Scott Walters put up a post the other day and part of it was just don't be a dick. And I think <laughs> that the, um, that idea of if you've been there to serve people in the way that they want to be served and offering them a view of something that's bigger than what they might have seen before, I actually think if you nurture those relationships while you're sharp, then that's going to be a big focus for us. And part of that will be just being in touch with people that, mm-hmm. that we're going to probably re, re uh, go back to the, the past where less of it is text and, and so on and we're going to get on the phone more Mm -hmm. because I sort of look at it I think people the reason that we've moved more to text and email and those sort of ways of communicating is that people were overwhelmed with stuff they had to do well that's kind of gone I actually think Mm -hmm. getting back on the phone there's a lot of people are going to be isolated so that's a big part of what I'm looking at from a what am I going to do and then I think the the other element of that is I just want to be a resource like I don't want to change my basic business model to doing online courses and you know paid telehealth or whatever i just want to these people who have supported me for years and years and years i look at now is the time that i'm going to just find stuff that i think might help people and get in touch with them and say you know this is from an overall health perspective this might be helpful for you or having somebody to chat to so i hope that wasn't too rambly but that's kind of my view on it i'm the i've gone into the acceptance mode of if it's going to happen it's going to suck but over if i look at that six months over i've been in practice for i think this is my 29th year if i look at it as a minimum of 40 years six months is not a high proportion of it if i get a little bit if i if i'm three percent busier for the next 10 years I make up anything that I lost in this six months, but it's a really cool opportunity to just work on those really important things that I just don't get time for day to day when I'm hands on with people 30 hours a week. Do you reckon in some of your time off that you'll have another crack at the world book stacking championships again? Ah, oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a video based gag there for us. <laughs> <laughs> I should show you the top of it. Let's just tilt the screen here. Yeah, look at it go. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. Just, just for frame of reference, that's a six foot six surfboard that is standing up. Right. Yeah, okay. I like it. it and what, what about you, Crokey? What, um, <laughs> what's your thoughts on, on downtime? Do you, do you think that that's what we've got coming for us here? And if so, how do you feel about it? What are your plans? Yeah, a bit like Martin. I, I, I um, I kind of am in that phase of acceptance now um, where uh, what will be will be. There's no point. I've been saying all week, you know, fortnight. It's been, uh, the whole thing's been an exercise in looking where the next hurdle is and finding out how to get over. And um, and so I, I, I haven't had my eye, I've kept my eyes pretty low. I haven't really been looking too far into the future. Um, and uh, given this weekend, I think there'll be some sort of an announcement of some tightening of restrictions. 
um, I am starting to sort of think those things through. And, and like Martin, um, you know, I've already started making a list of, of okay, cool. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I could could uh, implement. Uh, Martin and I did a a, um, a marketing seminar with Seth Godden around this time last year, and uh, it was fantastic. And I still haven't kind of squeezed the juice out of that yet. So um, that's one of the things that that uh, I'll look at in terms of refining our communication and um, and um, making our story clearer for people yeah. um, so that that it's really easily accessible and relatable um, and getting better at um, building our existing relationships and creating new ones. Um, yeah, in the past, I've been a bit hoity-toity about, uh, you know, all the internal marketing as, as the driver of, of practice growth. And, um, and you know, I, I just go, mm, there's a world of people out there who need some love and attention mm. and uh, not all of them know that I exist. Yeah. So, um, so finding ways to, uh, to build those, those connections in the community and, and, uh, um, Show people that we care. Yes. Um, you know, I put up, we put up an A-frame sign at the front of the practice every day, um, and every week we have a, a different thing on it. And at the moment, it just says we're here to serve you all, and um, and the number of people who have um, you know, stuck their head in and said thanks, we don't even know, um, is really lovely, um, yeah, and messages and whatnot. So, um, finding more ways to make that connection. Yeah. Is good. And. Um, yeah, like, like you guys, I've probably been in practice about the same length of time as, as Martin, maybe a year less. Um, and the longest holiday I've ever had has been, uh, about three weeks. Yes. So, so, uh, you know, take a break. Yep. That was the point I was actually just going to ask both of you, like, you know, when was that? What's the longest holiday you've had in this time? And if this is what it takes to actually <laughs> yeah. take you know, three months off. I, I want to kind of touch on that point too. And I, I think one of these things that will come afterwards, it's so interesting that, you know, when we think about practice growth, for some reason, it, we've made it an, an either or. I'm either internal referrals or I'm all into this external referral. It's like, why? Like, let's do both and. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of leads me into you know, this next thing of which you kind of touched on there, Tony, maybe you can expand on it. And, and I'd like your thoughts too, Martin, of, you know, what, what do you see yourself perhaps doing different in this post-coronavirus environment? When you're allowed to get back into practice again and things get back to whatever normal is afterwards, other things you think, ah, you know what, yep, I'm going to do this. Mm. We just um, started um, actually probably... Uh, a couple of months or well, over the last eight, six or eight weeks, we've we've had uh, a tech CA in the room with me more often. Um, uh, and in fact, when my daughter Virginia, she just just moved to London to go and practice there. Good timing, Jim. Um, and uh, so today she'll be sitting an exam to get her um, certificate of competency so she can practice. But that won't be happening. So. Uh, um, yeah, so when she left, we were hiring to replace her and ended up hiring uh, a front desk-focused person to fill her role. And 
um, and someone who's going to be more you know, um, doing the tech stuff with me, um, well, with me or release our other character. And it's been a really nice change. We've been playing around with that for a little while. Um, and it means that um, uh, people can get um, an extended period of time in the practice with someone caring for them um, and, um, and delegate some of the stuff that I've done in the past or, or have chosen not to do, but it would have been nice um, that I'm now um, delegating across to, to that tech CA. So that's, that's a nice thing and people have already appreciated that. Um, I hope I won't have to wash my hands quite so often as I do now, but we'll see. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Um, and I think like a lot of people, I will have a greater appreciation for um, being able to be close to people, you know, being able to sit down and have a coffee or share a meal or, um, or even talk on the phone, you know, just that you know, everyone's been a bit fraught. I, I will, I will be less bothered about having a chat about the weather. Um, <laughs> I will be uh, happy when the footy comes back and appreciate a chat about that. Um, and I think there will be a shift in public perception around chiropractic um, because we are part of that front line of people who are serving a community who's really frightened um, and who are looking for people to help them. And um, like Martin said, I've had a lot of conversations with people who go, oh, geez, I'm so glad you're here. You know, a young guy uh, who came in and um, I've spoken about Jack at, at conferences over the years. He's, he's had a rough ride with his health um, and used to have a lot of seizures and he's just had his first seizure in two years and eight months early this week. And he's still really, when I saw him yesterday, still really spacey two or three days later. And he and his mum both teared up with gratitude about being able to come in and get an adjustment. And, uh, and I think that's something that we'll all remember about the majesty and power and connection that comes with what we do. Mm. Yeah, good thoughts. What about you, Martin? <clears throat> what are your thoughts post all uh, Probably a lot of parallel. Um, so actually one thing that I feel like I need to go back to is with my acceptance thing where I'm saying three months, six months, I don't want to freak anybody out who's already in lockdown that I have some special inside knowledge that's going to be three months. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably less than that. But I sort of figure, look, if that's the worst case scenario. So uh, just to clarify that, I don't want to be creating more stress for people who are already probably feeling the pinch. But um, so I guess similar to Tony, a big part of it is just a renewed appreciation for uh, just the simplicity of how things normally are, where you, people are coming in and they're getting this amazing thing, a chiropractic adjustment, and that we have the privilege to, to do that. And so perhaps my petty annoyance with people who haven't done things exactly the way that I wish they'd been done both in the practice and outside. I'm hoping that I can maintain that perspective of, well, wow, that was super inconvenient. I mean, yesterday I did my first adjustment ever in a mask and I'm hoping that I'm not going back to having to do that on a full-time mm -hmm. basis. But if that's, again, as Tony says, that's what it takes. But similar to Tony, some of the things that I want to put in place are ways to 
kind of bring back to, to even enhance the level of connection that we have with people in the office. And so similar to, to Tony, some of that, just the busyness that you have to be able to look after a bunch of people, you don't have a lot of time with them. And the CA role to me, there's a lot of the taking money and making appointments that should be able to be automated so that we can still have people there, but they've got much more of a, let's just really connect with people role and a, more of a cross-clinical role rather than uh, necessarily having, wow, you know, that was such an amazing experience, you putting my money through the credit card machine. I, so that's a big part of what we uh, would be looking at is how do we automate some of the lower value stuff to free up our people to do more high value, softer stuff. Mm -hmm. I think um, I'm reading a book at the moment called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Um, and I, I'm finding it so moving in so many different ways. I feel that some of the reason that we're having some difficulties out of this is that we have acclimated to a life now that is really very easy for all of us in, in many ways compared to what it was. I want to read a little quote to you and I'd, I'd love you guys to perhaps talk a little bit to what this, this sort of says here as well. If you're uncomfortable, if you're in deep pain, if you're angry, if you're yearning, confused, you don't have a problem, you have a life. Being human is not hard because you're doing it wrong, it's hard because you're doing it right. You'll never change the fact that being human is hard. So you must change the idea that it was ever supposed to be easy. I, yeah. um, I read that two weeks ago and I just found it. I found the whole book so moving. But that quote there, what's your thoughts on that, Martin? When I read that out, what, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, look, I, I guess there's a, there's a whole lot of philosophical perspectives that I find really useful when none of us love discomfort and I think sometimes statements like that that encourage you to go well that's actually not the point of life to feel comfortable um, I find them really reassuring so I kind of shorter versions that I tell myself where you know the idea of if people are if somebody's not reacting well to me giving them a different perspective like a chiropractic perspective I like the idea of we, an idea can't be revolutionary and accepted on first glance that they're mutually exclusive. Mm. And um, I also love the, the saying um, that great practices are built on the days that you don't want to be there, the days that it's hard. And I sort of think there's a real truth to that, that this, this scenario of this is a really difficult time. It's difficult for everybody. And that's probably if you can endure the discomfort, if you can lean into the discomfort, a real opportunity for growth, a real opportunity for service to people who are more uncomfortable than you. And I look at it and I think I'm probably, I view my circumstance pretty, like I'm very privileged. I'm still getting to practice when a lot of chiropractors aren't around the world. Mm. Um, and I'm also in a unique age group at 52. Yeah, I know I don't look it, but, um, uh, but you know, the young, the, the older people are going to pay a disproportionate price in terms of health outcomes for this. And young people are going to pay a disproportionate price in terms of the, the short term economic impact of this in terms of unemployment and, and like just struggling for money. And I'm probably in a very privileged spot in the middle there. And, you know, I was born a white man, which is kind of a, privilege in and of itself so that's a long way of saying yeah 100 percent. like 
being comfortable isn't the goal um, and I have to remind myself of that and I found that quite a moving passage to to put that in a, a very big context. Mm. Crokey, any thoughts in around that at all? Yeah, look, I think when you take that, that sentiment to its end point, you go, we're all going to die. Mm. You know, like all, all, all of our all of our frustrations and stresses and worries and like it's transient Mm. and um, and that's what I've been talking with people about a lot that this too will pass that that we will without question and and certainly it's not my opening line my opening my opening is like you how are you going with all this stuff and then feeding back to them their you know, the content of what they said and, and how I imagine they feel. Um, and, you know, then offering a perspective when it's okay and, and saying, you know what, um, we'll work our way through it. You know, I know you're resilient. I know that you have the capacity and we'll work our way through it. Um, and in the meantime, it's going to feel a bit shit. Mm. Um, and th- if we expect it to be any different, then we're, we're kidding ourselves, as 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 Doyle says. So, um, yeah, look, I think it's spot on. Yeah, you know the, the the shorter version of that that has stuck with me certainly over the last twenty years is that kind of Buddhist concept of you know pain is inevitable, but suffering isn't. And I, you know, I I heard a word that I feel is not being used enough recently. A patient I was adjusting on Tuesday morning, and she's works in international aid around the world. She's very, very good at what she does in areas of, you know, mass breakout of HIV and and you name it from there too. And she turned to me very matter-of-factly and said, Angus, you realise this is temporary. And Mm. she she said, now, I don't know two weeks, two months or two years. She said, but I can promise you this is temporary. Now, she wasn't trying to underplay it, but I've made an effort ever since that moment on Tuesday morning to use that word as often as I can in any conversation mm-hmm. I can to. I found it very reassuring. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't need it for her to give me a time frame in around it there too. But that word temporary there is um, is is really important. I um I I, I want to thank you guys both for um, you know sharing so openly a a significant part i feel of this whole podcast is me being incredibly selfish to sit down and um i I was there was very clear who i wanted to have these conversations with and um you know and when i couldn't get those guys it was nice to have (laughs) both stepping for them (laughs) so um, so um but thank you so much. I've got half a page of notes here. The wisdom and the care and compassion that come from both of you, your great friends, your mentors of mine, um, teachers also. So, um, Martin, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our audience? And then, uh, Crokey, I'll leave it up to you to, to wind things up. Well, I guess probably two things. Like, you know, just in response to your uh, lovely statement there, I'm, I'm happy to be second drop to your first threesome. It's just, <laughs> it feels like a, a great honour. But I guess more broadly, I think that, you know, for people who are out there, and everybody, it is normal that we all feel like this is kind of a sucky time, that I'm really uh, buoyed by that longer-term perspective. If we zoom out enough this is going to be something that we look back on and go, wow, remember that. It was a really tough time and this was 
the good bit that came out of it. And I don't mm. know what that is yet, but I anticipate that there will be a whole lot of really good bits. And I've kind of, I found that that acceptance part of that is, is helpful for me and I hope it is for others. Mm. Good words. Don? I, I really appreciate um, the chance to have a chat. Um, it's, it's a time where everyone uses the word, the phrase social distancing. It's a time where physical distancing is, is required, but social connection is really important. And um, uh, this is a chance for us to, in some way, connect with uh, the listeners and viewers and, um, and with each other. Um, you guys mean the world to me. And, um, and so to be able to spend a bit of time with you and share that with others and hopefully help uh, in some small way and help them understand what's going on and make sense of it for themselves, that's, that's a, real, a real privilege. And I just have felt through all of this really, really lucky. Like Martin says, we're in a, in a demographic where um, we'll be okay. And, um, and we're in a position where we can do something to help that's really concrete and valuable and, and valued. And uh, I couldn't feel more proud to be a chiropractor right now. Mm, beautifully said. Tony Martin, on behalf of the Marketing Your Practice podcast, thank you so much to all our wonderful audience out there. Gang, keep saving lives. Your community needs you. See you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one with you to apply, implement, systematize and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.